Hello, everyone, and welcome to United Teachers of Lowell's Straight Talk Podcast. This is Amy Bisson, here with Mickey Dumont, where the podcast wins, and we are the hosts of this weekly podcast produced by and for members of the United Teachers of Lowell. In our weekly podcast, you'll hear about local, state, and national issues that affect our members. You'll also hear about some of the accomplishments of our members, and we'll keep you up to date with news and decisions that impact all of us. Today, we're going to turn the tables on Mickey Dumont. Mickey, as most of you know, has been with the union and a strong union advocate forever. Mickey currently is our Director of Operations, having served on the e-board for many years. As most of you know, the United Teachers of Lowell has negotiated salary increases based on years of service and on educational status. Those are the steps and the lanes. Today we're speaking with Mickey about some frequently asked questions we've heard about salary increases and how to make sure you're on the correct step and lane. So Mickey, we've had a lot of questions about uh, how to calculate your correct pay rate. Yes. Um, according to years of service and according to the changes that happen on the columns or lanes. Mm-hmm. So let's start with a question about uh, those lanes. What, what are they and how do you figure that out? Well, actually, they're, they're called either lanes or columns. And how you figure it out is based on uh, what degree you have and then what additional credits are added to that degree as you move forward in your career. So I'm assuming the personnel and payroll departments don't just necessarily adjust those naturally. It's incumbent on the employee to do something. Can you explain a little bit? Sure, sure. Um, the, The steps are very simple. They're usually automatic. You go, right now it starts with first year, then it moves to step one, step two, step three, et cetera, et cetera. Those are adjusted automatically okay. through the uh, payroll department. We have had instances where that has not occurred for some people. And in those cases, the people should contact um, Deb Jarvis in the HR department and just ask her to check into it for them. Now, with regard to the columns, or some people like to call them lanes, those are based on degree and how many credits you attain beyond your bachelor's. So initially, most people start out with a BA, um, bachelor's degree, and that's your your basic column. Pretty soon you have to get into a master's degree of some sort if you're a teacher. Correct, correct. And it depends on what kind of license you start with. Um, There are several different licenses. There's the provisional, the initial, and the professional. There's also a temporary if people come from out of state. But for basically the provisional, a teacher can keep that for five years only. If you don't move from provisional to initial, um, then you don't have a job. Okay, so how do you do that? And I mean, we're kind of getting off the pay line, we are. but this is yeah, we are. This is all good information that our members need to have. Well, if you have, if you come in with a provisional license, it means that you are not, uh, you did not graduate from an undergraduate educational program. So mm-hmm. you didn't have student teaching. You didn't have a lot of the ed programs. So as a result, you take the MTEL 
test, the communications and literacy, and you are granted a provisional license. You then have five years to move from the provisional to the initial. And in order to do that, you have to um, commit yourself to uh, an ed program that is DESE certified, DESE approved, that will move you from provisional to initial. And during that time, you will have a supervised practicum period right in your classroom. So, so you, you're catching up with the education degree requirements, but maybe you have a specialized degree perhaps in something like chemistry or computer science, and now Correct. you want to go into education. Absolutely. Okay. And in, a, in order to further that degree, you have to have the student teaching or the practicum experience. Absolutely. Yep. So. That's a requirement from the state. Absolutely. Okay. And it makes sense. Yeah, you know. it does. It really does. It's and I had mentioned earlier that if you do not move from the provisional to the initial licensure within the five years, you will not have a job the following year. Previously, you could have extended it, or you could have moved from one provisional license to another provisional license that you held. Uh, but I think it was last year or the year before, DESE completely changed that, mm-hmm. and they will only allow for the one-time five-year period for provisional license. Okay. So be forewarned because they're, they're pretty adamant about that. These early licensures, mm-hmm. those are the people who are really coming in with uh, zero teaching experience. Correct. So they would be on year one, step one. It, well, it's called first year. First year. They would okay. they would be first year. We added that first year. Uh, I think it was, hmm, I, I, I'm guessing it was back in 1998-99. But we added that because I, I think we have one of the most comprehensive salary schedules in the state of Massachusetts mm-hmm. because we have a number of steps, we have uh, a number of columns. So there's lots of ways that people can, you know, add to their income. Besides the normally negotiated exactly. cost of living raises. Which, exactly. Okay, so say you're um, a teacher with a master's degree already. You would look down that column that says master's. Correct. And you would find the number of years of service that you were either awarded when you transferred in, and we'll talk about that in a second, yeah, yeah. or if you're a new teacher with a master's degree coming in, um, you would be under the year one teachers. That's correct, okay. the first year. First okay. year. So that's how you compute it. Yeah. Um, and it, let me just say this now uh, so that we don't lose track of it, but a lot of people say, how do I know what step I'm on? Um, if you take your pay stub, which is electronic, and you look at it, it's the, um, the line that says regular salary. You take the regular salary, which is uh, a weekly amount, and you multiply that either by 42 or 52, depending on what you chose, what you chose mm-hmm. when, you, when you were hired. So the result of that should be reflected in the step and column of, of where so you, you are. run X and Y grid, uh, coordinates. That's great. You, you have to use your math yeah, you do. skills. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy. So you want to be careful because you don't want to use um, an amount on your uh, stub that says uh, PD services. Right. That's not included, and that will get you so far off track. So make sure that you look for the regular salary line and multiply that by the 42 or 52. Just don't include the stipends or any services that you've been paid for. Okay. And that should give you 
pretty much uh, an accurate figure of what step and column you're in. Say I have been employed by the Lowell Public Schools. Uh, I came in as a new teacher and I have been here for seven years. What step could, should I expect to be on as I start year seven? Okay, if you came in as a new teacher, that means you started at first year, not on step one. Mm -hmm. So people need to be um, that can cognizant. That Right, and actually, um, like I said, that first year started back in 1998. So many people that are working today have followed that first year. I think I think we would determine that a couple of weeks ago at another event that we did that 80 some odd percent of the teachers actually were hired after, after 19, ed reform. Yeah, after yeah. mass ed reform. So, um, okay, so you asked me if you go from... So I'm starting my seventh year. You're starting your seventh year. What step year. would I be on? Okay, let me it look at my really schedule here. It doesn't really matter what lane I'm in, One, two, three, four, five. Six. You'd be on step six. Step six. And, and not step seven. Correct. Because? Because you started at first year. Okay. And not step one. Okay. So you really need to be careful about that. So you'd be on step six. Now, following step six is a step 6A with an asterisk, which is for all teachers who were hired after the end of the 2004-2005 school year. Step 6A means you've been in, you've been working, employed by the district, you're in your eighth year. Okay. Even though it's step 6A. Yeah. So it can get confusing, but it, once you, once you, you know, sit down and actually go through the, the steps and the columns, it becomes much easier for you. Um, so what, we sometimes hear from people who say, I'm starting my 15th year of teaching. Shouldn't I be on step 15? There, uh, isn't okay. there a step 15? <laughs> there isn't one. <laughs> okay. Well, and that makes sense. And, and that's what someone might argue. But if you're starting your 15th year of teaching, uh, you're still on step 8. You're still on step eight. You're still eight. on step eight. So you get to a point in the steps where you stay at certain steps for mm -hmm. a couple years. or more years. So you want to be careful of that, too. And sometimes you're going to be on a step that you don't go to the next step the next year. Okay. Explain about that. <laughs> well, because there isn't... Well, let's, let's say it's step seven. If you're on step seven, that means you've been employed for eight years. Okay. We just discussed yeah. that. Now, in order to go from step seven to step eight, you have to have completed 10 years of teaching service. Okay. So you can't expect to be on step eight until you're starting your 11th year. That's correct. Okay, I think that's often been confusing to people as in, well. In understandably so, yes. But now that doesn't mean that you will not get an increase in salary for those couple of years in between because you will get the uh, salary adjustments that come with mm -hmm. normal contract negotiations. The percentages. You will get a percentage increase. Okay. There have been also been a couple of questions from people on the farthest end of the scale, those who have 25, 30, 35 years of service. Mm -hmm. um, and someone noted to us that it says all steps above 25 years of service read for, receive $454. All steps above 30 years of service receive $503. Year, yeah. $3. That's like, yes, and that's an adjustment to the salary, and that's 
uh, for service completed. Uh, it has to be above the 25 years or above the 30 years. Um, that Those amounts, the 454, and it changes each year, mm -hmm. but those amounts are actually included on the salary schedule. They are included in the step as you see it. So if I look at uh, step 9B, which says upon completion of 25 years of teaching service, 9B says uh, first day of school this year, $83,758. The adjustment that's listed at the bottom of 454 is included in that in amount. That amount. Okay. It's include. It's already included. Okay. You won't get a separate check for it. You won't uh, see. You won't see that column increased at all. Mm -hmm. Those adjustments that are there are already factored into the salary schedule. So, so that 454 or step 9B starts at the beginning of your 26th year of service. That's correct. So before I can go to step 10, I have to complete 30 years. But in the meantime, each year we'll get a new one of these right, with schedules and there'll be a salary adjustment okay. um, dependent on the contract negotiations. Okay, so I'll just so there will be an increase. Um, so the step increases are, are as you say, automatic. And, and if, or it should be, yeah. If you notice in your current paycheck, it doesn't seem like you're on the right step, mm -hmm. the best thing to do is what? Contact Deb Jarvis mm -hmm. in the HR department. All, all questions about steps or columns should go to Debbie Jarvis. Okay. And she's D. Jarvis, J-A-R-V-I-S, at lowell.k12.ma.us. Great. Okay, so now let's talk a little bit about um, the columns and how those work. Okay. So we see we have BA, or bachelors, mm -hmm. low program A, low program A and B, mass. Uh, masters plus 15, yep. masters plus 30, et cetera, et cetera. Correct. So say you've received your master's degree. Well, before we get there. Okay. Okay, before we get let's there. Let's back up, shall yeah, we? Yeah, let's, let's say uh, I come in with my bachelor's. I have a provisional license. I know now that I have to move to initial. I have five years to do it. In the meantime, I don't have time right now to go for my master's. Mm -hmm. Lowell instituted a program back in 2005, I think, uh, called Lowell Program A and Lowell Program B. Program A consists of five graduate credit courses, mm -hmm. as does Program B. This was uh, originally to assist teachers who didn't have the time or the uh, finances to go for a master's degree, but it would be specific to Lowell, and the Total 30 credits would be um, comparable to a master's. Mm -hmm. but, but not just not a formal program. Not a study. formal master's, and it's specific to Lowell. In other words, if our teachers took both program A and B, it would be viewed as comparable to a master's. Okay. That's why it's in the same column as master's. It's master's or Lowell A and B, Lowell program A and B. So that was, that was the bonus. If people left the district of Lowell to go to another district, that would mean nothing in any other district. Sure. It's only specific to Lowell. Okay. So as you um, add courses to your degree, you also move across the columns. So program A is 
five courses or 15 credits, and you see an increase in your, in your salary. Mm -hmm. If you take both of them, you see an additional increase. Or you could actually get into a master's program yes, and complete you, it. Yes, you could. Um, so once you have either a master's or, oh, no, I'm sorry, once you have a master's, then you can uh, earn 15 more credits, five more courses, and move to the master's plus 15 column. 15 more credits, you move to the master's plus 30. A lot of people have confusion about the Lowell program A or B, and here's the story with that. You can only use the courses in programs A and or B one time. Even though they're noted one, two, three, four times on the salary schedule, mm -hmm. and people will say, well, you know, that, that sounds silly. Why would they have it after CAGS um, if they have it beforehand? And then they say you can't use it again. Well, we have it after the CAGS because... Believe it or not, there are people in the district teaching who have never taken a program A or B course at all. Huh. So now they have a CAGS, or they have a Master's Plus 60, which doesn't involve any of the lower program courses. So they don't want to go for a doc doctorate, necessarily, right. Right. but they would like to advance their salary. So now they can take program A and B and apply it to uh -huh. their salary. It will give them an increase. As long as they haven't previously applied those credits. That's correct. For a, you, you, a different degree underneath. It. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think on the salary schedule, the master's plus 60 is comparable to someone getting a CAGS. Yeah. Master's plus 60. So um, anybody who has more specific questions regarding that can just call us at 978-937-9039. So uh, I did hear a couple of people asking about when the changes to the columns or lanes occur. And they don't occur on a rolling basis, do they? No, they don't. And that's a great question because we do hear it a lot. Payroll only makes those changes when you when you reach one of the columns, like say Masters Plus 15, you've, you've obtained your five extra courses for the 15 credits. They only make those adjustments twice a year. And those times would be? Um, September okay. and February. And obviously, payroll would need to have your documentation before September and before February. That's correct. Or, actually, technically, you could submit them during September and during February. Okay. As long as you got them in before the end of September and before the end of February. Okay. If you miss that deadline, you have to wait till the next. But you could turn it in. You well, just I, no. They actually uh, prefer you not to oh. because they'd have to hold on to that paperwork for six months before they could I see. reschedule. And I would suggest hold on to it as well. Better in your folder than, you know, somewhere where it might get mixed in with other things. So let's say you had all of your paperwork ready for September. Let's say you had it all by June mm -hmm. before that September. Um, w we've been advised to... Um, inform teachers to hold on to that paperwork until at the least August. Okay. So that when they start working to make the adjustments in September, it's right there. Okay. It's right there, and they, you know, they, they know they have it. Mm -hmm. Also, um, for transcripts, etc., to show proof of your um, credits, you need to um, request those from the college or university mm -hmm. that and you've that attended. Does take time. They mail it to you. You have to submit it to Deb Jarvis, 
at HR in a sealed envelope. You right. cannot open the envelope that comes from the college or university. And rather than put it in the mail and send it to her, the best thing that you can do is hand deliver it to her. At, at, uh, at central office. Merrimack. That's correct. Okay. The adjustments are made during September and then again during February. You probably may not see the increase till the next month, mm -hmm. but it will be retroactive. Okay. So well, you will get what's, what's owed to you. Uh, if I might. You might. I have done this, obviously, in my career from time to time. Mm -hmm. And what I have always done when I were when I was requesting a transcript from a college because I had my uh, postgraduate credits coming from many institutions mm -hmm. at that point um, I'd always request two copies because then you have a sealed copy that you can have in case one's lost as well as the sealed copy that you're submitting that's a great idea and you know stuff happens and rather than Don't have to start the, <laughs> the whole process all over that's again. That's a great suggestion. Yeah. Yep. That's just a tip from an old time. Yeah, see? <laughs> Every once in a while we have good ones. That's good. Okay, so let's say that... Um, let's well, go. let's say that uh, somebody notices that they're not getting the correct step and column, which okay. happens. Mm-hmm. Um, your first step is to email Deb Jarvis. Yeah. I, I will be saying her name over and over and over again. But she's the one who tracks and follows all of those adjustments. Mm -hmm. So if you, you do notice it, please, 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 every September, check your statement. Make sure that you multiply by 42 or 52. If it's not correct, you need to notify her right away. And I would say do it as soon as possible. Well, and the reason yeah. for that is if, if, for example, you forget for a couple of years, you go in and you say, oh, no, um, and you, you haven't been paid on the right step for four years, you are totally out of luck because mm -hmm. they will only go back one year. So please, every September, check to make sure that you're on the right step and column. Probably a good thing to do, right along with um, checking your attendance figures, making sure that your uh, sick pay and mm -hmm. your sick days are correct. Mm -hmm. Then also check your paycheck. And I think we're probably getting the first paychecks of 2019-2020 right now or last week even. <coughs> I think it so might have been last week. Might, might be I'm good idea sure. to take a few mm -hmm. seconds and check it out before you toss that stub into the shredder. Absolutely. Okay, so we're in the last year of a four-year contract. What percentage increases are still oh. pending on that contract? Well, that's, that's good. another good question, Amy. You know, You're I'm unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm holding the schedule for school year 2019-2020 right now. And there are two changes that will be reflected on this schedule. The first change was... Uh, reflected in your very first check and With that included the one percent that was awarded on the last day of the last school year okay so, so that percentage that one percent never actually has gotten into anybody's paycheck yet until now until now till right now okay. correct so you will have that um until you reach the midpoint of the school year and that a uh, good point here is that varies, again, depending on whether you're 42 or 52 week. Okay. Midpoint for 42 is either the 21st or 22nd week, and for 52 it would be the 26th or 27th week. Okay. So keep an eye on that, too. Usually we notify people when that's imminent. Um, and then the last day of school 
again, we have that 1% increase. Okay, and you won't see that final 1% on the last day of school in 2020 until the first paycheck of 2021, correct? Uh, 2020. 20, oh, 2020, I'm a whole year ahead of myself. June 2020, but you'll see the increase the first day, the first check in September 2020. Okay, yep, that makes sense. And at that point, well, hopefully there'll anybody's be anybody's guess. <laughs> hopefully there'll be some other increase by then, because in January we enter again into the next round of negotiations. Okay. And just to let our members know, we've been getting some really, really good suggestions from members about things to maybe include in Terrific. the next set of negotiations so anyone who's listening who has some ideas or suggestion let us know that sounds good and we'll, we'll put that to our negotiating teams all right well mickey thank you for sitting down and explaining what can sometimes be a very complicated process but always good to make sure that you're being paid uh correctly it, it is complicated could i just add one yeah. more thing a question that came up recently uh, some people are hired who have experience and come mm -hmm. from other districts they won't be hired on the first year step they will be hired based on uh, some of their experience the credits etc so i might come in as an elementary teacher and be placed start on step three Okay. because of my past experience. Now I start on step three. That means I am starting my fourth year um, on the salary schedule. Okay. Because it's first year, step one, step two, step three. That's step four. Three is actually the fourth year. It's the beginning of the fourth year. Or what? Correct. So now if I start on step three, that's four years, it's going to take me, let's see, four, Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. By the time I get through ten years, I'll be on step eight. Okay. But I have to complete that tenth year Before. in order to be placed on step eight. Okay. So I don't, I don't get hired on step three, and then have to count ten years okay. to get to that. Okay. I start at, I'm on step three, which means four years, because we have that silly first year. Okay. But it counts as a year, yeah. so uh, people have asked about that, too. It can be confusing, but if you have any questions at all, give us a call. Sounds good. Well, either us or Deb Chavez. Yep, sounds good. Yep. Thanks again to Mickey for clarifying salary increases for all of us. Again, if you believe you may be receiving an incorrect salary amount, please contact Deb Jarvis and or contact your United Teachers of Lowell. Always keep copies of documentation for yourself. We once again thank you for tuning into this episode. We hope that if you enjoy what you hear, you will subscribe to our podcast using Apple iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast aggregator. As always, we welcome your general comments and feedback. If you have suggestions for future podcast topics, or if you are aware of a UTL member who might be willing to share experience or expertise, please send us an email at utlstraighttalk at gmail.com. Until next week, this is Amy Bisson with Mickey Dumont wishing you a great week.